1: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: Well, good afternoon, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Today, we'll talk with Amy Barnes. Hey, she's funny. She's a comedian. In fact, she started out as a, an aeronautical engineer. Anyway, she's going to be the featured speaker, the comedian at the Girls' Night Out at Tiger Christian Church on Friday, May the 3rd. All the important details coming up in our conversation. We're also going to talk with John O'Leary. He is an author on Fire, The Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life. And he is the speaker at the upcoming Good Friday Breakfast. Looking forward to giving you an opportunity to hear from him, and we hope you'll plan to attend the Good Friday Breakfast as a result. So that's coming up. We'll also hear from Dr. Tim Jennings, The Aging Brain, Proven Steps to Prevent Dementia and Sharpen Your Mind. First, taking a look at some of the um, the day's news in an exclusive, Jared Kushner, President Trump's son in law and senior advisor, addressed special counsel Robert Mueller's findings and the Russian investigation, his coverage in the mainstream media, and the president's threat to shut down the U.S. Mexico border in an interview. Kushner said any further attempts by Democrats to pursue a Russia collusion investigation would be non productive and an embarrassment to our democracy, which is, of course, a constitutional republic. And that he's willing to testify on Capitol Hill about Russia. Kushner said Trump's threats to close the U.S.-Mexico border are a way to pressure everybody into taking action to limit illegal immigration. Meanwhile, former Vice President Joe Biden's potential 2020 candidacy may be in jeopardy before it even begins after a second woman came forward to accuse the former Vice President of inappropriate touching. She said it wasn't sexual, but it was creepy. Amy Lapos, 43, first told the Hartford um, Courant in an interview published on Monday, Monday, that the former vice president grabbed her during a one thousand dollar plate dinner in October of 2009, a fundraiser for U.S. Representative Jim Himes, a Democrat out of Connecticut. Lapos, who was working as an aide for Himes at the time, said Biden's actions weren't sexual, but that he did grab her. Her accusations came on the heels of a similar claim by former Nevada Lieutenant Governor Candidate Lucy Flores, who said Monday she'd still vote for Biden over Trump, despite her claims. At a House Judiciary Committee, uh, Democrats are preparing subpoenas seeking the release of special counsel <clears throat> excuse me, Robert Mueller's full report from the Justice Department. Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz says Attorney General William Barr isn't legally required to make the report public at all. Dershowitz used the shoe-on-the-other-foot test to demonstrate that the Trump administration doesn't have to comply with the Democrats' demands. A conference featuring eight prominent 2020 Democrat presidential hopefuls kicked off in Washington, D.C. on Monday with a fiery rallying cry of fugitive cop killer Jamal Watkins, vice president of civic engagement at the NAACP, began by telling the audience at the We the People conference that he would invoke the words of Asada Shakur, a.k.a. Joanne Chesmard, who was convicted of the 1973 murder of a New Jersey state trooper when she was in the Black Liberation Army. She has been in Cuba ever since. Among the groups in attendance were the Sierra Club, MoveOn.org, Planned Parenthood Action Fund, SEIU, and Communications Workers of America. Speakers included the 2020 Democratic White House contenders Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Kirsten Gillibrand, Jay Inslee, Amy Klobuchar, Beto, Beto Rourke, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Saudi Arabia has given multi-million dollar homes and monthly five-figure payments to the children of Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post writer who was killed in the Saudi Arabia consulate in Istanbul last October as compensation for their father's death, according to a report. The payments to Khashoggi's two sons, or rather, yes, two sons and two daughters are part of a long-term arrangement to ensure they refrain from speaking out according to the Washington Post. And the installment of an immigration czar, why they choose that word, I'll, I'll never know, is among the options being explored by the White House to coordinate illegal immigration matters. The czar front runners are former Kansas State uh, Secretary of State, rather, Chris Kobach, and former uh, Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli. The details are scarce, but the Associated Press notes that the Trump's Uh, administration focus on immigration had touched on numerous government agencies, including the Departments of Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, Defense and Justice, and not all of those departments are always on the same page. The Tsar would presumably help cultivate better camaraderie. Meanwhile, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen yesterday announced, we will not stand idly by while Congress fails to act uh, yet again. So all options are on the table. We will immediately redeploy hundreds of personnel from the uh, department to the border to respond to this emergency. We will urgently pursue additional reinforcements from within Department of uh, Homeland Security and uh, the interagency. And we will require those seeking to enter the United States to wait in Mexico until an immigration court has reviewed their claims. Late yesterday, President Donald Trump stated, and I quote, The Republicans are developing a really great health care plan with far lower premiums, cost, and deductibles than Obamacare. In other words, it will be far less expensive and much more usable than Obamacare. He then revealed a vote will be taken right after the election when the Republicans hold the Senate and win back the House. So after the election, because he does not believe um, Democrats in the House will support his effort, Uh, The the political calculation has both pros and cons. It's true that the Democrat-controlled House would never vote in favor of a Republican proposal. On the other hand, the GOP failed to pass health care reform even when they controlled both chambers. So we'll see how this stacks up. According to Reuters, the U.S. Constitution does not guarantee a prisoner sentenced to capital punishment a painless death. A divided Supreme Court said on Monday, paving the way for the execution of a convicted murderer who sought to die by lethal gas rather than lethal injection because of a rare medical condition. If anything, this ruling provides additional fodder to those who want to abolish capital punishment altogether. And the Democratic chairman of the House Judiciary Committee on Monday said that the committee is preparing to subpoena Special Counsel Robert Mueller's full report on the Russian investigation on Wednesday and the evidence he used to write it. Representative Jerry Nadler said that he was disturbed by Attorney General William Barr's decision not to release the full report right away, which, of course, he knows he can't, and that the committee would vote on the subpoenas if the Justice Department fails to deliver the report by the end of the of the day on Tuesday. Now, it's interesting because Nadler was very outspoken under the um Clinton administration when details of that um uh, Kenneth Starr's report were to be released and he argued vehemently against that that it would be contrary to what's in the best interest of the nation because there are rules that govern such things. But again, it's in the best interest of his party now to switch that over. I'm not suggesting the Democrats are solely responsible for this kind of duplicity and hypocrisy because we see it All the time, sadly, in Washington. All right, we're going to continue taking a look at uh, what's going on and headlines around the country in just a few moments. But I do want to uh, let you know that we're giving away, well, admission to the theater to see the movie Unplanned. It's in theaters now, and we'd like to give away a $25 Fandango gift certificate for you to see that movie. Have a little bit to, you know, have a little snack or maybe bring another person with you. Uh, It's one of the most talked about films right now. Unplanned is the gripping true story of one woman's journey of transformation. We here at KPDQ, along with the Dr. James Dobson's family talk, are giving away a pair of tickets to see this powerful pro-life film. And we'd love to do that. Uh, Give those uh, tickets away. The Fandango gift certificate to caller number three. Again, caller number three and the number to call one 800 845 2162 845 2162 You're listening to the Georgine Rice show.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Twenty one minutes after four o'clock, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up on our next segment, we'll talk with Amy Barnes. She's funny. She's a comedian. She's going to be our speaker at the Girls Night Out at Tiger Christian Church on Friday, May the 3rd, 7 o'clock PM. Invite your girlfriends for a night of laughter, fellowship, coffee, tea, dessert. We're gonna have a hoot. A kick, so join us. We're also going to talk with John O'Leary. He is an author. On Fire is the title of his book, and if you know anything of his story, you know how poignant that is. The Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life. Again, he's the speaker at the Good Friday Breakfast, and uh, he was, as a nine-year-old boy, burned over 100% of his body and has quite a story to tell. It is inspiring and transformational, so we'll talk with him later this hour. But back to the news. In 2015, the Center for Medical Progress put Planned Parenthood under immense scrutiny for revealing incriminating evidence discovered uh, via undercover videos, which included the harvesting of baby body parts. Planned Parenthood uh, retaliated with a lawsuit against the organization. Unfortunately, an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court to have the lawsuit dismissed proved ineffective this week. The Washington Examiner reports because the Supreme Court will not take up the case, the ruling from the Ninth Circuit permitting the lawsuit to proceed remains in place. And U.S. health officials report that the number of measles cases through the first three months of this year have surpassed the count for all of 2018. There have been 387 cases through March. The Centers for Disease Control Prevention reported Monday there were 372 cases last year. It's the most since 2014 when 660. Seven cases were reported for the full year. This year's numbers have been driven by outbreaks in several states, including New York, California, Illinois, Texas and Washington state. Most people who get measles have not been vaccinated. Measles are spread through the air when an infected person coughs or sneezes and it's extremely contagious. Britain's parliament on Monday failed to reach a majority on any one of four new proposals for the country's exit from the European Union, worsening the disarray over Brexit less than two weeks before the deadline to depart. The failure to agree on any of them means Britain is facing the deadline with nothing resolved and all the options remaining on the table. It also underscores the stalemate in parliament where different factions appear unable to compromise enough to swing behind any one vision of Brexit. And on this day in 2014 Fort Hood, uh, rather at Fort Hood in Texas, three soldiers are killed. Sixteen others are wounded in a shooting rampage by another soldier, Army Special uh, Specialist Ivan Lopez, who then kills himself. And on this day in 1992, mob boss John Gotti is convicted in New York of murder and racketeering. He would later be sentenced to life and die in prison. And on this day way back in 1912, the just-completed RMS Titanic leaves Belfast, It began its sea trial eight days before the start of the ill-fated. Maiden voyage. Well, Yale is discriminating against students who work for Christian organizations or firms. After the Yale Federalist Society invited an attorney from Alliance Defending Freedom, a prominent Christian legal group, to speak about the masterpiece Cake Shop case, conservative students faced backlash. Outlaws, which is the law school's LGBTQ group, demanded that Yale Law School clarify its admissions policy for students who support ADF's position. Additionally, outlaws insisted that students who work for religious or conservative public interest organizations such as ADF during their summers should not receive financial support from the law school. On the 25th of last month, one month after the controversy, Yale Law School announced via email that it was extending its nondiscrimination policy to summer public interest fellowships, postgraduate public interest fellowships, and loan forgiveness for public interest careers. In other words, if you work for a firm that represents a traditional biblical view on sex— Yale will not support you in the way that has been the case in the past. The school will no longer provide financial support for students and graduates who work at organizations that discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity and expression. What they do is represent organizations who hold a traditional uh, Christian view on the subject. They themselves are not engaged in discrimination, but that is sufficient that Yale says they will not um, allow their students to receive any kind of financial help. Also, assuming the translation is correct, and it was in Arabic, uh, the Pope, Pope Francis, told members of a small Catholic community in Morocco that the role of community members in the country is not to try to make their neighbors convert to Christianity, but to live in brotherhood with other religions, which begs the question, what about evangelism, sharing the gospel, and um, the work of Jesus Christ? Still working on that one. will Return with more details as they are available. Well, this is sort of an odd story, but a woman illegally entered President Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club while in Florida over the weekend while carrying two Chinese passports and malware, according to federal prosecutors. The 32-year-old visited the president's Palm Beach Club on Saturday and told the Secret Service agent at a security checkpoint that she wanted to use the pool. She showed the agent two Chinese passports and tried to determine whether she was on a membership list, according to the complaint. Secret Service reportedly said she was not on the list, but a club manager thought she was related to a member of Mar-a-Lago with the same surname. She didn't definitively say whether she was or not, and due to the potential language barrier, Uh, She was able to enter Mar-a-Lago. Once inside, she rode on a valet golf cart, eventually told the receptionist she was at the club for a United Nations Chinese American Association event. There wasn't one uh, to take place later that day, an event which the receptionist knew wasn't scheduled. She also told the Secret Service she was there to attend a United Nations friendship event between China and the U.S. and said she was visiting Mar-a-Lago early to take some photos of the property, seemingly contradicting her earlier statement that she was there to visit the pool. She reportedly showed... um, Uh, An invitation in Chinese that, of course, could not be read by security. Well, the woman was removed from the property and became verbally aggressive with agents when she was uh, interviewed, the documents allege. Well, she, um, it was said, um, could speak English and read English, but pretended not to. said she claimed to have traveled from Shanghai to Florida after someone named Charles whom she met on a Chinese social media app, told her to attend this event and attempt to speak with a member of the president's family about Chinese and American foreign economic relations. Uh, She also denied she told agents she was at the beach club to swim in the pool. Well, the agent said that she carried four cell phones, a laptop computer, an external hard drive and a thumb drive containing computer malware. She didn't have a swimsuit either, by the way. Uh, She'd been charged or has been charged with making false statements to federal agents and illegally entering the restricted area. She remains in custody pending a hearing next weekend. The president was not there at the time he was golfing elsewhere, but it's not uh, clear if his family was in the building at the time this took place. Sort of an odd but interesting story. Well, a group of Democratic senators uh, today introduced a measure to do away with the Electoral College picking up on uh, talking point that has uh, caught fire in the 2020 Democratic presidential uh, field. Now, this is, by the way, the right way to do it, to amend the Constitution rather than the roundabout way that's currently um, being enjoined. Well, the measure serves as companion legislation to one put forward in the House by Representative Steve Cohen, a Democrat from Tennessee, and counts one presidential candidate, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, among the co-sponsors. Uh, rather, Democratic Senators Dick Durbin of Illinois, Dianne Feinstein of California, and Brian Schatz of Hawaii also sponsor the resolution. The Electoral College has been the focus of renewed Democratic criticism in the wake of President Trump's 2016 win. And while he defeated Hillary Clinton in the the electoral vote. Uh, He lost the popular vote by 2.9 million ballots. By the way, this has only happened twice in the 21st century, and um, Abraham Lincoln would not have been president if it had not been for the Electoral College. Well, a Missouri man convicted in a brutal rape and murder can be executed by lethal injection because he is not guaranteed a painless death. That, according to the U.S. Supreme Court, in a ruling yesterday quashing Russell Bucklew's bid to avoid the needle because of a rare medical condition. In the 5-4 ruling, the Supreme Court granted Missouri the right to proceed with the execution protocol. Uh, he was sentenced to death for the 1996 murder of Michael Sanders, who was dating Bucklow's ex-girlfriend. He had previously assaulted the couple and stalked his former uh, girlfriend the day of the murder in order to find out where she was living after shooting and killing her. Uh, He fired at his former girlfriend's six-year-old child, Missed, before kidnapping the woman and raping her several times. He was eventually arrested after a car chase and police shootout. There was pain involved in all of that, by the way. All right, we need to take a break. Is that right, Clark? All right. Up next, we're going to talk with Amy Barnes. She is a comedian. She's going to be the featured comedian of the Girls' Night Out that's coming up on uh, Friday, May the 3rd, 7 o'clock p.m. We'll be at Tigered Christian Church. You're invited. We'd like to to invite a girlfriend to join you, or girlfriends. In fact, there's a discount for um, groups of five or more. So stick around. We'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Now, before I introduce my next guest, I think it's important to extend a personal invitation to join me and women from KPDQ and our sister Station the Fish to a girls' night out. We're talking about May the 3rd, 7 o'clock p.m. at Tigard Christian Church. Now, we're not going to sit around and sip our tea and talk about the woes of the world. Ladies, we are going to laugh. And my next guest is the featured comedian. At that event i 'm talking about Amy Barnes. Uh, she is an aerospace engineer turned comedian. Think about that for a moment. She started her stand up career in Seattle. She appeared at comedy clubs around town while working days as an engineer in aerospace. She had to choose between the two career paths and you guessed it. She chose comedy. Well, after she moved to Los Angeles, she started working as a comedy writer. She wrote for dozens of comedians and actors. She's now a nationally touring act with over 60 dates a year and frequently appears to capacity crowds in theaters and churches and conference events. In fact, we are planning on a capacity crowd on May the 3rd. She's been married since 2002 to a comedian and writer, Jerry Miner. She now resides back here in the Pacific Northwest with her two kids, where she's accumulated some even bigger credits, including dance mom, YMCA member and PTA president. Ladies, can we relate? Well, most importantly, she has a heart for, well, us, for women. She has a special way of connecting with women who are part of the church and those who may just be walking through the door for the very first time. This is going to be a night that is fun and accessible to women of all stages in life at any place in their spiritual journey. And we are so excited that Amy Barnes is going to be our featured comedian at our girls' night out. Amy Barnes, welcome. Thank
3: you. It's good to be here, Georgene.
2: I've been trying to imagine the conversation you and your parents had when you announced, Mom and Dad, I'm an aerospace engineer. We all agree on that. But I've decided to chuck it all in. I'm going to become a comedian. <laughs> How did that go?
3: Right. Well, especially considering they paid for college for me, that was a really hard conversation to have. But, that was, uh, but they're so supportive. They always have been. And I think that sort of gave them some peace. know that I had that to fall back on.
2: Now, it seems terrifying to me uh, to stand in front of an audience where you are required to be funny. Now, obviously, you develop material, you work on it, and so on. Is it as terrifying as it sounds to stand up before an audience and know that, yeah, tonight, I'm going to kill. It's going to be funny.
3: Uh, I think it's a little bit, uh, because you just never know how any audience is going to receive you. So, but it's a lot like riding a roller coaster, I think. You have that every night, that rush of adrenaline. Like, this might be amazing, or we might completely fly off the tracks and, you know.
2: <laughs> well, you are now a seasoned comedian, so I'm sure that you um, you have a great performance every night. Where do you get your material? I mentioned you're a wife and a mother, and that those two things together are per- <laughs> perhaps enough for anyone to have a comedic act. But where do you draw from your material that relates to women at any stage? Well, I feel like um, the best thing time management-wise for me to do is to get it just from
3: every moment of my ordinary day, and then I can accomplish, you know, my regular life and also do my work at the same time. <laughs> That's the ultimate goal, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, it can be dropping my kids off at school or shopping at the grocery store or watching the news, you know, or sometimes like a lot of us in our downtime, like surfing through Facebook or the internet, you know. But it's everywhere, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, we know that laughter does good like a medicine. And to have that kind yeah. of cheerful heart that's able to look at events that are sometimes cheerful, sometimes perhaps not so much. And to see uh, the humor in them has to mean that you're a woman with a light heart. I hope so. I hope I am. yes. <laughs>
3: I like to
2: think so. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned to our listeners, you're coming to the Portland area, and we are so excited to have you. First of all, thank you. It's my first time. That's going to be my first time. In Portland, well, in it's about evening. time being here in the yeah, Pacific yeah, right? Northwest. Well, Amy's going to join us at Tigered Christian Church on Friday, May the 3rd at 7 o'clock p.m. We're encouraging you to invite your girlfriends for a night of laughter and fellowship. There's going to be coffee, tea, desserts. We can have some time to chat afterward. We have a group discount. The, uh, the cost is $20 per person. It's going to be a great uh, opportunity for you and your women's ministry or your Bible study to all come together and just uh, and just laugh. Now, the evening is going to be presented by Best Day Ever. It's our brand new podcast for, f- from, rather, the women here at uh, KPDQ and the Fish. And by the way, you can find that streaming on thefishportland.com or kpdq.com. Uh, now, when, as you anticipate coming to women here in our community from the same area, the Pacific Northwest, yep. how do you initially connect with women who are complete strangers? And as you pointed out, this is your first time here or will be.
3: Well, I think, you know, I don't usually meet a lot of people before the show, but I talk so much about myself during the show that I feel like everyone seems to know me when I'm
2: done. Yeah.
3: So we, <laughs> we do a lot of our hanging out afterwards, and I think everyone leaves kind of feeling like they've known me all their lives. That's well, the goal. Yeah.
2: Least. I know for women, uh, so often we um, we have a hard time connecting. We don't necessarily see our value. We can look at the challenge of raising our kids or staying in a happy marriage and, and doing all the things that we know we should, it, it's healthy for us to maybe take a different look at the life that we, so much of which we share in common, and to be able to laugh together and lighten up and recognize, you know what, we got this, we, we're going to be all right.
3: That is true. And I think also it's so um, it's so great for women to see other women laughing at the same things they are, mm-hmm. because it's it's a good reminder that we're not going through them alone. We're not the only ones. Yeah. You know, we all have so much in common. And when you laugh at something because you think, oh, that happens to me all the time, and you hear the person next to you laughing at the same thing, it just, I think it helps your heart to know that we're connected in that way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned you're married. You have been since 2002. Your husband is a comedian and writer. You've got two kids. Tell us a bit about your family, how this all works with you traveling and uh, him writing and so on.
3: Well, um, you know, God just makes it work. Every year is a little bit different, and I'm so grateful for so the way it all kind of pieces together and I get to spend so much time with my kids. So I typically only travel um, maybe four or five days a month total. And a lot of those times, like last weekend, I was in Indianapolis and I took the kids with me. So we were all together. So I try to be away from them as little as possible. And especially when I'm doing women's night out events, I... Almost always, and sometimes it doesn't work out, but I almost always bring my daughter. She's 13 years old, and I just think it's so, so great for her to be with me and be with all these great women and um, be encouraged in that way as much as we can. So, so now,
2: far, so good. Yeah. How does your family feel about being uh, providing the material for so much of your comedy? Well, you know, I try to be
3: really careful about that, and you'll probably notice when you see the show that I don't really make a lot of um, humor of them. It typically is me as their mom or me as the wife that I'm laughing about, not anything specific that they're doing. Uh, I feel like it's hard enough, you know, to have a mom who's a comic. And especially when you have a teenage daughter, you know, I don't want, I don't want to make her the object of it. I don't. I feel like uh, she might move away and not come home. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that sounds like the right approach to trying to keep the family together right. and keep your career yeah. um, going. Once again, we're talking about Girls' Night Out with uh, comedian Amy Barnes. We're going to be at Tigered Christian Church on Friday, May the 3rd, 7 o'clock p.m. We're encouraging you to bring your girlfriends. Don't come by yourself, although you're welcome to do that. It's going to be a night of laughter and fellowship, Coffee, tea, dessert. The cost is $20. There's a group discount for five or more. You might consider uh, making this an event for your women's ministry group, maybe your Bible study. And uh, we're just going to come together, whether you are in the faith or you're just thinking about the faith or you know somebody who might feel comfortable coming to this kind of an event that isn't quite ready to come to Sunday morning service. This is a great opportunity for us to come together as women, to laugh together, encourage one another, and just uh, be reminded of how much we share in common and um, I I think just be encouraged. The event is presented by Best Day Ever. It's a brand-new podcast for women from the Ladies of uh, the Fish and KPDQ. You can find it streaming at thefishportland.com or kpdq.com. Well, Amy, we are so excited to have you um, come, and let me just give you an opportunity to close by extending an invitation to the women who are listening right now.
3: All right. Well, I am really excited to be there for my first time, my first Ladies Night Out event at Tigard, Christian Church, I'm excited for you all to come. I hope you will invite somebody. Um, don't come alone. Bring a friend. Bring four friends and get a group discount. I promise you we will have so much fun, and you will leave with something to talk about for the weeks to come. So I hope to see you there on May 3rd.
2: Well, Amy, again, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today and for coming Absolutely. to Portland on May the 3rd. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, Georgine. Thank you so much. I've already started kind of rehearsing. You know, when you laugh so hard, sometimes your face hurts. So even now I'm starting to rehearse how to laugh for a a period of time without the uh, muscles in the face seizing up. So you might want to do that, uh, too. Again, for more details, you can go to kpdq.com and uh, find out uh, how to register. And again, for groups of five or more, there's a $5 per ticket discount. So take that into account. Coming up Friday, May the third, seven o'clock p.m. We're going to gather at Tigerd Christian Church. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. is aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, as you know, the Good Friday Breakfast has been a tradition here in the metro area for about 13 years. In fact, I believe this is the 13th annual Good Friday Breakfast. This year, it's on April the 19th, which, of course, is Good Friday at the Oregon Convention Center. John O'Leary is going to be the speaker. And, oh, are we in for a treat. Well, the Good Friday Breakfast is a blessing to the Portland, Vancouver community from the YMCA of Columbia Willamette, the event's founders, Oregon Open Arms uh, International, and our many sponsors. We're inviting you to join us for a morning centered on a community in prayer, encouragement, and reflection. And our keynote speaker, John O'Leary, is going to be someone that will... uh, inspire and challenge you it was in 1987 that mr o'leary was a curious nine-year-old boy he was playing with fire and gasoline two things that shouldn't go together he created a massive explosion in his home and was burned over 100 percent of his body he was given a one percent chance to live well this epic story of survival was first showcased in a book that was authored by his parents overwhelming odds it was published in 2006 Uh, That book uh, first invited John to embrace his miraculous recovery and to share it with the world. And oh, has he shared it with the world. John inspires nearly 75,000 people at 100 plus events every year. He speaks to companies and organizations all across uh, several industries. His emotional storytelling, his unexpected humor and authenticity make each of his presentations truly transformational. And that's what we're looking forward to. John's first book, On Fire, The Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life, was a number one national bestseller. It's been translated into 12 languages. John Lives Inspired, uh, or I should say John's Live Inspired podcast is a top 20 for business on iTunes and Inc. Magazine. His online community is about 200,000 strong. He considers his greatest success to be his marriage and the four children that he and his wife Beth uh, parent and his relationship with friends and family. And we are delighted to welcome John O'Leary to the Portland metro area for the good Friday breakfast, but I am delighted to welcome John O'Leary, I believe for the first time right here on KPDQ. Welcome.
4: Georgine, it is the first time, and anytime I have a bad day, I'm going to hit Replay on what you just said right there, and I'll have a much better day afterwards. I, I really
2: appreciate that. <laughs> well, you are so welcome, and again, we are excited that you're coming to Portland for the Good Friday breakfast. Now, for listeners who aren't familiar with you, I gave sort of the Reader's Digest version of the event that right. changed your life in 1987, but help fill in some of the blanks so people understand why your story is so inspiring. Uh, to those of us who have had the opportunity to hear it. You know, georgian I
4: think, oddly enough, maybe one of the reasons it's so inspiring is because it's told in such a manner where it has very little to do with the guy writing about it or talking about it. I, I, uh, I never dreamed in, in my wildest imagination that one day I would be presenting or speaking or writing. I'm a pretty soft-spoken guy, kind of an introvert, don't climber for the limelight. And after I got burned, that story I just shared a moment ago, I never told anybody what happened to me for almost two decades. Mm-hmm. So I went through the vast majority of my life not talking about what happened to me, but actually trying to cover it up and trying to pretend as if it had never happened. And then God's grace showed up in a mighty way. My mom and dad wrote a little like pamphlet basically about what happened to me, and it went viral. And, and then people would say, "John, you know, would, would you share that story with our team, or our organization, or our class?" And I just said yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in that faithful, yes. This little boy that lacked confidence and lacked a clear voice and. and fully discern what the story was, and yes, it involves fire, and yes, it involves being burned and amputations and skin graft, and recovery, but it really involves grace, and it really involves yeah. rendering to God's will because it's a about something much larger than you can ever imagine for yourself.
2: You know, for many of us, we've experienced a tragedy in life, and that has kept us in a position where we are unable, maybe unwilling, but unable to move forward. And what you've just described is it says a lot about the grace and provision of God, that he would choose the worst thing that happened to you in life uh, to transform the lives of others as you in boldness stepped forward, contrary to your natural bent, right. kind of the introvert, and share that story with others. It really is remarkable.
4: Well, and to a degree, that's what we celebrate on just Friday. This tragedy turned triumphant. Mm. We all clamor for Sunday. I mean, we all want Easter. We're an Easter people. But the reality is in this nation, in this world, in our marketplace, in our our species, the only way to get through uh, to Sunday is through the cross. It's through enduring the pain, the struggle, the adversity of Friday. And, uh, yes, I get the opportunity of sharing a little bit of my story. But, my gosh, we have example after example throughout our course of history. St. Paul. Peter, broken guys who were called by God for a purpose bigger than they imagined for themselves.
2: Absolutely. I had the opportunity to watch the video that was made that included pictures of you as that young little boy who has burned over 100% of his body, and I'm telling you, it it took my breath away. It was so difficult to see you as that child uh, at nine years old, I knew the outcome, but at that time, it wasn't clear. The doctors were very certain that you were not likely to survive the night, let alone um, survive for a long period of time. And then to see you now and to hear the words of inspiration that you um, that you offer, it really is a testimony of God's goodness and his grace and his provision. Uh, and I love the way you tell that story.
4: Well, and I love the way God chose to tell that story. He used a pretty broken-down nine-year-old kid who like you heard on the front side of your wonderful introduction, Georgie, played with fire and gasoline. Like I used free will, and it harms me. I had no idea what happened, but but it was my choice. And yet, even though I caused that, God redeemed that. And th- this is true with fire and gasoline at age nine, but it's also true as we age with addictions and mm-hmm. challenges and, and cross words and mistakes we've made. But we've got to lean back into our faith. We've got to say yes to his will in our lives, and we've got to recognize at the end of the day, it's really not about us. So a lot of my stories that I that I love kind of bragging on are how these humble servants step into this little boy's world, and he's got no skin. It's 100% burned. There's no chance of survival. And yet, God uses parents and siblings and neighbors and custodians and janitors and Doctors and nurses and volunteers throughout the country and throughout the world come together, gather around this little helpless boy, pick him up, carry him forward. And together we celebrate life today because of it.
2: Yeah, we're talking about the upcoming Good Friday Breakfast. It's the 13th annual uh, event here in the portland metro area it 's April the nineteenth which of course is Good Friday and as has always been the case at the oregon convention center and john o 'Leary is going to share his powerful story. Uh, the event begins at seven a m ends at eight forty five that means you can come to the Good Friday breakfast and still make it. Uh, to work or wherever you have to be later that morning, but it's a great way to kick off Holy Week and just anticipating the weekend as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday. You're so right, John, that you have to go through Friday to get to Sunday and to be reminded of uh, of God's goodness and the the price that He paid is always healthy for us as we anticipate not only uh, Resurrection Sunday but the days ahead when we're called to walk faithfully before uh, mm-hmm. before our God. It's a it's going to be a great Amen. morning.
4: Well, I I think we all look forward to that Easter morning and and putting on the the nice clothes and going out to brunch after church, all all that stuff that maybe we do as listeners. But I'm telling you right now, if if we don't really slow down during this period leading up to it, we're going to miss part of the joy of that celebration. And it's that movement toward the cross. And it's the carrying of it up the hill. And it's it's the crucification and the, the pain and the struggle and the suffering and the death, the very death that allows us to have something to really hold up high to celebrate and to say, he has risen. He has risen indeed. And so uh, for those of us who, um, you know, maybe we haven't slowed down a lot in our lives lately, we've been just racing forward But that prayer breakfast gives us an opportunity to do exactly that. It's not too late. So I, I would just really encourage all of your listeners to join us at breakfast. It will be a celebration. It's going to be an awesome celebration that morning, and I can't wait to be a part of it.
2: Mm, well, we are, we can't wait to hear from you and to share that morning with you as well. Again, Good Friday this year falls on the uh, 19th of April. We're going to gather at the Oregon Convention Center to listen to John O'Leary to have a powerful time of fellowship, a great breakfast. Starts at 7 a.m. Uh, at the Oregon Convention Center, and to register, let me encourage you to go to W YMCA cw I should say dot org we'll put a link on the Georgine Rice show Facebook page uh, you can get all the important details there register for the uh, the breakfast um, as well well John O'Leary thank you for being willing to travel out here to the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. to share your gifts with us to tell your story to relive I would imagine to some degree the pain that that was required in order for your story to be forged in such a way that others are are inspired and and transformed. So thank you so much. We're looking forward to it.
4: Georgine, it is an honor. I cannot wait to be with you in Portland, and I'm really grateful you gave us this time on your show. Oh, you are so
2: welcome. (laughs) So welcome. John O'Leary, we'll see you on Good Friday.
4: Looking forward to it.
2: Thank you so much. Again, John O'Leary is a number one national best-selling author and speaker. Uh, Dave Ramsey, who has a company, and uh, they often feature inspirational speakers, he says this of John O'Leary. He says, my company gets to hear from some of the country's best speakers, and my friend John O'Leary is one of the best we've ever had. Don't miss John's message. He will change your life. And again, that's Jay- the Dave Ramsey, New York Times bestselling author in his own right, nationally syndicated radio host and financial advisor. Uh, all of that part of uh, the Good Friday Breakfast. Once again, want to thank the YMCA, the YMCA of Columbia, Willamette, for sponsoring this event. They, they're putting the, uh, uh, the C back in um, the YMCA. And so they are this year's sponsors, along with the founding sponsors, Open Arm International and uh, many others. So hope to see you at the Good Friday Breakfast, April 19th. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: My next guest makes the point that it's possible to get back what aging takes away in his new book that provides some proven methods to maintain healthy brain function as we grow older. Well, while growing older, if we have the, the blessed opportunity to do so, it's inevitable for us. Many of the troubles people associate with aging, including dementia, disability, and an increased dependence on others are not. The choices we make now can help us maintain our vitality, a sharp mind, and our independence as we age. Well, in his new book, The Aging Brain, Proven Steps to Prevent Dementia and Sharpen Your Mind, a psychiatrist and master psycho. Let me get this right, psychopharmacologist, my guest, Dr. Timothy Jennings. He uses his years of experience and up-to-date scientific research to provide readers with a simple, easy-to-use guide that can use, uh, they can use to avoid disease, promote vitality, prevent dementia, and late-onset Alzheimer's. Dr. Jennings' book not only helps individuals to maintain their brain and body health throughout their lives, But the action uh, steps are proven to help prevent progression toward dementia, even in those who have already shown mild cognitive impairment. Now, for anyone hoping to slow the aging process, as well as anyone who acts as a caregiver to someone at risk or already beginning to suffer from dementia and other age-related diseases, the book offers a hopeful, healthy way forward. Well, Dr. Timothy Jennings is a board-certified psychiatrist and master psychopharmacologist, distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and president of Come and Reasoned Ministries, He spent more than two decades researching the interface between biblical principles and modern brain science, including being invited to the White House in 2017 to discuss mental health, opioid addiction, and faith-based initiatives in America. He's also the author of several books, including The God-Shaped Brain, How Changing Your View of God Transforms Your Life, and God-Shaped Heart, How Correctly Understanding God's Love Transforms Us. Again, today we're talking about his latest book, The Aging Brain, Proven Steps to Prevent Dementia. And sharpen your mind. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thanks for having me, Georgine.
2: Well, this is a fascinating subject, and I know as we hear statistics about the numbers of baby boomers, for example, who are likely to suffer from dementia, it is a terrifying prospect for many to consider that they may, in that process of aging, uh, lose the one thing that all of us want to hang on to, and that is our ability to think and reason and remember. Uh, you make the point that modern science has helped us to live longer. But we all ask the question, can it help us live better? And you answer that question in the book.
5: Yes, and and that's really the key. It's not just how long we live, it's it's how well we live and the choices we make uh, along the way. And and it's never too late to start as long as we still have awareness that we can uh, uh, maintain our vitality and ability as we age. Mm
2: -hmm. You use the term um, design law. Can you explain what that is, what it does, and uh, how that can help us in making choices?
5: Yeah, It's just a simple principle of the laws upon which reality works, whether the laws of physics, law of gravity, laws of health. One of the laws, uh, what I call design laws, the law of exertion. If you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it because if you don't use it, you lose it. And that's not just for muscles, but our brain circuits as well. You want stronger math ability? You've got to work problems. Stronger musical skill? You've got to practice your instrument. You want to stay sharp cognitively? Well, one of the things that has been shown to be beneficial is new learning. So you stay engaged and learn through life and never stop learning something new that actually turns on genes that make proteins to keep our brain healthy.
2: We all have heard of or or might know someone who was brilliant, had a brilliant career, maybe it's early onset Alzheimer's, and that that diminishing capacity strikes them uh, suddenly. They seem to be lifelong learners. They seem to be uh, using their minds in ways that you would expect would preserve their capacity. Um, But it doesn't always work that way. Is it always possible for us by exercising our cognitive ability, by working our mind, if you will, that we can avoid or slow down the process of, of dementia or, for that matter, Alzheimer's?
5: Okay, you use the term early-onset Alzheimer's. In, in the medical jargon, early-onset Alzheimer's would be a familial form runs in families, and it happens in our 40s or 50s. The late-onset Alzheimer's starts after age 65, and that is really lifestyle-related, and it accounts for 95% of all mm. the Alzheimer's cases. And the underlying pathway that seems to drive Alzheimer's uh, Alzheimer's disease, the late onset form, is chronic inflammation that drives insulin resistance in the brain. Uh, And anything that would cause that can cause Alzheimer's dementia. Uh, Keeping our brain active is one of the things that can help protect us. But if we have a sedentary lifestyle, we eat high sugar, high fried food, very unhealthy diet, uh, driving inflammatory cascades, high obesity, and so forth, these factors will still drive us towards Alzheimer's dementia, even if we stay lifelong learners.
2: You know, I'm just learning um, more and more about inflammation. And we tend to think the joints, it affects the joints. But inflammation is a chronic It can be a chronic condition that affects far more, and you've made reference to it. Can you explain what that inflammation is? Because we have a very limited exposure to it or understanding of what that means and the implications when we have it throughout the body that can include the brain.
5: So inflammation is the body's response to either infection the normal. The normal we have this inflammatory cascade built into our body, so if you get a cold, the flu, an infection of some kind, or an injury, then your body, its immune system responds by releasing a a very complex orchestra of chemicals in our body that are designed to attack the organisms and kill those organisms or to help the body repair itself after injury and so in those states what we experience is we can experience a a rise in body temperature, fatigue, malaise, fogginess of thinking, loss of appetite and that's symptoms of an inflammatory cascade happening in our body during an acute situation and as the infection clears or the wound heals then that goes away and there's really no long-term negative consequence. However, anything that we, there are things we can do in life that can kick up that same inflammatory cascade in our body when there is no infections to fight uh, or no wounds to heal, and then that, those inflammatory factors then will actually cause damage to our body tissue over time, particularly causing insulin resistance, which then uh, drives the cascade events in the brain that contributes to Alzheimer's disease.
2: How does our life experience change how our body and our minds work?
5: So our brains are in a constant state of flux we're never static. It's always changing based on our life experiences, what we watch, the things we read, the relationships we engage in, the beliefs we hold, new pathways are forming, old pathways are pruning. And so if we make healthy healthy choices, then we provide our brain with the resources it needs to maintain its health. If we make unhealthy lifestyle choices, then the brain will actually suffer as well as the rest of the body health suffers uh, if we if we do those things. So it really is about the, the decisions to make. A simple example, uh, looking at people 65 years of age and older who started walking regularly 25 to 30 minutes a day, five days a week, found that there was growth in the part of the brain where new memories take place that was measurable in an MRI scan of 2%, which reversed two years of aging. Their brain looked two years younger just from regular walking. So there is an activity or an intervention one can do to help um, maintain vitality and actually give health to our brain.
2: Mm. Now, these improvements that you're describing – Is this required when we're quite young and it's built into our lifestyle over a long period of time? Or can an individual who's already, say, in their early 60s or mid-60s begin to incorporate those kinds of activities and experience the same kinds of benefits?
5: So anytime you engage the healthy um, interventions, you will get benefit from them. Uh, anytime you do unhealthy activities, you will get damaged from it. Uh, if you've gone to a high school reunion and you've looked around at the crowd and you identify those individuals who maybe were the party-hardy kind of individuals and had that hard life, you look around at and you recognize they've aged faster than people who have lived a more healthy lifestyle. And so if we start younger, yes, we'll have benefits to carry on to, as we age, but even if we start in middle age or in our 60s or 70s with exercise, uh, healthy dietary patterns and so forth, we will still gain benefit.
2: All right. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation. We're talking about a fascinating book, The Aging Brain, Proven Steps to Prevent Dementia and Sharpen Your Mind. My guest is Dr. Timothy Jennings. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Continuing my conversation with Dr. Timothy Jennings, he's the author of The Aging Brain, among other books, Proven Steps to Prevent Dementia and Sharpen Your Mind. In the book, he covers the history of aging, oxidative stress and aging, lifestyle and aging, pathological aging, and offers very practical insight into how we can preserve the strength and our capacity to use our minds um, over the course of aging. Now, uh, Dr. Jennings, what are telomeres and what role do they play in the aging process?
5: So telomeres are the end caps in our chromosomes. When the cells divide, like if you get a scratch on your skin and you see your skin slowly repairs itself, those cells are dividing to repair the damage of the injury, and cells that just wear out in our body will be replaced. And as cells divide, the uh, nucleus of the cell where the chromosomes are will copy itself so that each cell of the new cells will have a copy of that library of information. The telomeres are the little caps on the end of the chromosomes. Conceptualize those as little sh- uh, plastic caps at the end of your shoestrings strings and they uh, uh, help keep things organized and if those caps get too short though then the the cells can no longer divide and it's uh, one of the things that happens in aging and as we age those telomeres get shorter and shorter and they can actually predict remaining lifespan uh, with the knowing the length of the telomeres. Things that will uh, accelerate telomere shortening would be conflict, hostility, violence, uh, being raised in a violent home or situation or uh, conflict, war type situations, uh, sudden Lifestyle, things that um, will help lengthen telomeres would be um, a plant-based diet high in beta carotene, like the uh, carrots and um, squash and things like that, and uh, and exercise.
2: So, what we eat can have a significant impact on that. Even if we're in a, a an environment where uh, we're facing the kinds of challenges you just described, will that help? Food. So
5: anything that's healthy will help, but of course, you, it can be mitigated if we're doing a lot of healthy things. For instance, you eat very healthy diet, but then drink a gallon of vodka with each meal. You know, the vodka is uh, going to be working against the healthy diet you're eating. So there's a balance and uh, trade-off there. But yes, any healthy thing you bring to bear is going to pay benefits, but it depends on how severe the damage is that you're inflicting on yourself with other causes.
2: What role does weight um, play in, uh, in aging and how our bodies respond to the process?
5: So the obesity is a, a significant factor in increasing the risk for dementia as we age. And, it, and the uh, adipose tissue itself interferes with the body's antioxidant enzymes and can produce um, Um, oxidizing oxidizing molecules that accelerate aging, but but the obesity stands in for a whole host of factors that accelerate aging. Obese people tend to exercise less or have a sedentary lifestyle. They tend to have an unhealthier diet, so the food choices tend to be more damaging. They... um, Uh, tend to have more sleep disorders, and sleep disorders accelerate. And so when you look at obesity, there's a constellation of factors that that kind of circle around an obese person that accelerate that decline. If a person has obesity but they do walk regularly, they walk 20 to 30 minutes a day, they have a healthy plant-based or Mediterranean diet, they have good stress management, they don't have a sleep disorder, then then the obesity alone will not be as damaging as an obese person with all the lifestyle variables that play in.
2: Now besides physical exercise and mental stimulation you talked about stress management lifestyle what role does vitamin do vitamins and supplements uh, play in aging well
5: so some are very helpful and, and, and are in fact critically important. Others um, that may be marketed for this have haven't been shown to be beneficial. Ones that are very important would be vitamin D, and uh, this is a, a blood test that your doctor can do for you. Uh, low vitamin D increases all causes of mortality and will double the risk of Alzheimer's dementia. Uh, if you have a super high vitamin D because you just take a bunch and don't get it measured, that can also increase uh, health-related problems. So I don't recommend people just go out and start taking a bunch. They and this is something your doctor can measure and can guide you in restoring your vitamin D. I live in Tennessee, which is uh, one of the southern states, but 70% of the people in my uh, city have low vitamin D because even though we live in a southern state, most people work indoors and don't get out in the sun anymore. So that's, that's a very simple one people can do. Uh, omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil, uh, the oily fish that like salmon. And uh, if you have salmon several times a week, A study over nine years found that people with the highest amounts of the omega-3s in fish oil had a 47% reduction in developing Alzheimer's disease as compared to the people with the lowest amounts of omega-3s. So these are very beneficial to brain health.
2: Mm. So exercise is also beneficial to um, our brain health as well. We think of it uh, impacting other parts of our body, but it's as significant, particularly as we age, as uh, it is for our physical um, health.
5: And when we exercise regularly, our muscles produce anti inflammatory factors that suppress these oxidative or inflammatory factors some chronic stress. Also, it turns on all the proteins in the brains, a group of them, that cause the brain to sprout new connections and that's the study I told you earlier mm-hmm. that showed that people over 65 we see growth in their brain because they're turning these pr- proteins on. It resensitizes insulin receptors. Uh, not only is that important for the insulin resistance in the body, but in the brain, insulin is critical for memory formation and clearing of the toxic proteins that are associated with Alzheimer's dementia. So when we develop insulin resistance in the brain, we we can't clear these toxic proteins out of the brain. So the exercise helps to resensitize those receptors and we start clearing those proteins out of the brain and it keeps our brains healthy.
2: Now, when you talk about exercise, we tend to think of, you know, the kind of vigorous athletic exercise. What's really required for us to derive those kinds of benefits uh, in terms of the kind of exercise we're doing? Is brisk walking? What are the What's the criterion for knowing this is exercise that's actually giving me the benefits you've just described?
5: so 30 minutes walking five days a week a brisk walk five days a week is if a person is able now what want to caution if you're not an exerciser you don't and you've had a sedentary lifestyle don't just get up off the couch and and be you know, so excited about this talk that you go start exercising I recommend people talk to their doctor because they may have some health conditions that if they just really started exercise could cause injury or damage so um, if you're not a person who's been exercising throughout your life then start low go slow and consult your doctor but working up to a 30 minute walk five days a week is shown to provide significant benefit.
2: Now, um, you call dementia a pathological state. And again, this is one of these things that we often fear. What do you mean by that? And uh, explain what dementia is, What what's happening in the the brain that produces it.
5: So that's a great question. Uh, The myth I've discovered around the country is that many people think if you live long enough, you get dementia. Dementia is a normal part of aging. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Dementia is pathological aging. It's when something goes wrong in the aging process that we get dementia. And dementia is the functional loss of ability. It's memory loss with one of four domain losses. So memory loss plus language impairment or motor loss like buttoning your shirt or tying your shoe or loss of recognition of objects or executive function. Can't balance your checkbook or plan your day. Memory loss with One of those other functions is dementia. Anything that damages your brain can cause dementia. So vascular disease with little strokes can cause vascular dementia. Alzheimer's disease causes Alzheimer's dementia and so forth.
2: Mm. Now, would you define, uh, and you've touched on it, uh, define Alzheimer's disease and Alzheimer's dementia?
5: So Alzheimer's disease is the pathological process of insulin resistance, buildup of amyloid proteins, uh, damaging neurons and killing of the neurons with the loss of actual brain tissue. That's the disease. When you lose enough brain tissue, then you lose function, memory impairment, cognitive impairment. That's the dementia, the functional loss.
2: Now, you uh, mentioned earlier that there uh, can be a genetic makeup that makes one more prone to be subject to dementia.
5: So, there's an early onset familial form that's autosomal dominant, meaning if you get those genes, you get the dementia. It happens in your 40s or 50s. 5% or less of all of the Alzheimer's types are that type. The late onset form after age 65, there's been uh, an, a, spe- a specific gene associated with that. It does not directly cause it. What it does is it makes people more sensitive to the factors that do cause it. So, if you have two copies of that gene, it increases your risk of getting dementia. But if you do the lifestyle things, even with the two copies, of that, that gene, you still won't get dementia. It just makes you more sensitive to the oxidizing and damaging uh, lifestyle choices.
2: Now, can you explain, um, and you write about it in the book that we're talking about, The Aging Brain, a fascinating, very practical book to help us um, manage uh, well. Explain overstimulating the brain's reward circuits and the impact that that has on our desire to have a healthy brain long-term.
5: So overstimulating the reward or the stress circuits? um, I'm not sure which one you meant there. Reward circuits. The reward circuits, okay. So overstimulating the reward circuits in like addictions, um, uh, when we do that, then we actually cause damage to our brain. That's quite ox- uh, quite stressful, and um, this would be um, people who uh, use illicit, illicit substances or pornography or um, heavy alcohol use. That's overstimulating of the reward circuits. We then lose. Um, normal pleasure and normal um, uh, things that would normally cause us pleasure don't cause us pleasure, and life becomes very bl- and bland for us. And then we uh, lead down the pathway of, of seeking more and more of the toxic stimulation to try to get some pleasure out of it.
2: Now, there's a dispute between alcohol being either healthy or unhealthy. Can you give us a scientific explanation uh, as to which is accurate or perhaps which elements of each view is ha- accurate?
5: So bottom line, ethanol, the actual alcohol, has no health benefits at all. But um, the studies on wine have shown if you drink two glasses or less a day, you can get benefit, but it's not coming from the ethanol in the wine. It's coming from the polyphenols in the grapes, that are used to make the wine. You get the same health benefits from grape juice. If you drink two glasses of wine a day or less, then the ethanol is not enough to cause enough damage to counterbalance the benefits from the polyphenols. But if you drink more than two glasses of wine a day, then you've got enough ethanol that you're getting that it's actually uh, damaging. There are no health benefits. You actually have health-related consequences if you drink more than three glasses of wine a day or more.
2: Now, the aging brain proven steps to prevent dementia and sharpen your mind... Um, how do you suggest your readers um, read the book? Is it a chapter at a time, applying through a, a process of uh, figuring out how to avoid dementia? Yes.
5: Yeah, so I would tell them to read it and that at the back of each chapter there's learning points and action steps and uh, take the, the points that apply to them. Not everything will apply to every person, uh, but you go through it and and mark the ones that apply to you. And then I encourage people to make one or two changes at a time. Um, Make one or two changes until they become routine and there's really no effort. It's just the way you do things. And Mm -hmm. then make one or two changes more and one or two changes more so that gradually over time, you don't overwhelm yourself with so much that you can't keep up with it.
2: Well, Dr. Jennings, I thank you so much for talking with us today, and I really appreciate the book. Thank you, and thanks for having me, Georgine. You are so welcome. By the way, the book, uh, The Aging Brain, is published by Baker Books and should be available in bookstores.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Well, good afternoon, and welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Now, before I introduce my next guest, I think it's important to extend a personal invitation to join me and women from KPDQ and our sister station, the Fish. To a girl's night out. We're talking about May the 3rd, 7 o'clock p.m. at Tigard Christian Church. Now, we're not going to sit around and sip our tea and talk about the woes of the world. Ladies, we are going to laugh. And my next guest is the featured comedian at that event. I'm talking about Amy Barnes. Uh, She is an aerospace engineer turned comedian. Think about that for a moment. She started her stand-up career in Seattle. She appeared at comedy clubs around town while working days as an engineer in aerospace. She had to choose between the two career paths and... You guessed it. She chose comedy. Well, after she moved to Los Angeles, she started working as a comedy writer. She wrote for dozens of comedians and actors. She's now a nationally touring act with over 60 dates a year and frequently appears to capacity crowds in theaters and churches and conference events. In fact, we are planning on a capacity crowd on May the 3rd. She's been married since 2002 to a comedian and writer, Jerry Miner. She now resides back here in the Pacific Northwest with her two kids, where she's accumulated some even bigger credits, including dance mom, YMCA member and PTA president. Ladies, can we relate? most importantly, she has a heart for, well, us, for women. She has a special way of connecting with women who are part of the church and those who may just be walking through the door for the very first time. This is going to be a night that is fun and accessible to women of all stages in life at any place in their spiritual journey. And we are so excited that Amy Barnes is going to be our featured comedian at our girls' night out. Amy Barnes, Welcome.
3: Thank you. It's good to be here, Jardine.
2: I've been trying to imagine the conversation you and your parents had when you announced, Mom and Dad, I'm an aerospace engineer. We all agree on that. But I've decided to chuck it all in. I'm going to become a comedian. <laughs> How did that go? Right.
3: Well, especially considering they paid for college for me. That was a really hard conversation to have. But, that was, uh, but they're so supportive. They always have been. And I think that sort of gave them some peace to know that I had that to fall back on.
2: Now, it's, it seems terrifying to me uh, to stand in front of an audience where you are required to be funny. Now, obviously, you develop material, you work on it, and so on. Is it as terrifying as it sounds to stand up before an audience and know that, yeah, tonight, I'm going to kill. It's going to be funny.
3: Uh, I think it was a little bit, uh, because you just never know how any audience is going to receive you. So it's but it's a lot like riding a roller coaster, I think. You have that every night, that rush of adrenaline, like this might be amazing or we might completely fly off the tracks and, you know.
2: <laughs> well, you are now a seasoned comedian, so I'm sure that you, um, you have a great performance every night. Where do you get your material? I mentioned you're a wife and a mother and that those two things together are per- <laughs> perhaps enough for anyone to have a comedic act. But where do you draw from your material that relates to women at any stage? Well, I feel like um, the best thing time management-wise
3: for me to do is to get it just from every moment of my ordinary day, and then I can accomplish, you know, my regular life and also do my work at the same time. (laughs) That's the ultimate goal, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, it can be dropping my kids off at school or shopping at the grocery store or watching the news, you know, or sometimes, like, a lot of us do in our downtime, like, surfing through Facebook or the Internet, you know. But it's everywhere, I yeah,
2: guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know that laughter does good like a medicine. And to have that kind of cheerful heart that's able to look at events that are sometimes cheerful, sometimes perhaps not so much. And to see uh, the humor in them has to mean that you're a woman with a light heart. I hope so. I hope I am. Yes. <laughs> I like to think so. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned to our listeners, you're coming to the Portland area, and we are so excited to have you. First of all, thank it's you. It's my first time. That's <laughs> yeah. going to be my first time in Portland. Well, it's about time guys, being here in the yeah, Pacific right? Northwest. Well, Amy's going to join us at Tigered Christian Church on Friday, May the 3rd at 7 o'clock p.m. We're encouraging you to invite your girlfriends for a night of laughter and fellowship. There's going to be coffee, tea, desserts. We can have some time to chat afterward. We have a group discount. The uh, The cost is $20 per Per person, It's going to be a great uh, opportunity for you and your women's ministry or your Bible study to all come together and just uh, and just laugh. Now, the evening is going to be presented by Best Day Ever. It's our brand new podcast for f- from rather the women here at uh, KPDQ and the Fish. And by the way, you can find that streaming on thefishportland.com or KPDQ. Uh, dot com. Now, as you anticipate coming to women here in our community from the same area, the Pacific Northwest, how do you initially connect with women who are complete strangers? And as you pointed out, this is your first time here or will be.
3: Well, I think, you know, I don't usually meet a lot of people before the show, but I talk so much about myself during the show that I feel like everyone seems to know me when I'm done. Yeah. So we, (laughs) we do a lot of our hanging out afterwards. And I think everyone leaves kind of feeling like, They've known me all their lives. That's well, the
2: goal. Yeah, least. I know for women, uh, so often we um, we have a hard time connecting. We don't necessarily see our value. We can look at the challenge of raising our kids or staying in a happy marriage and uh, and doing all the things that we know we should. It, it's healthy for us to maybe take a different look at the life that we, so much of which we share in common. And to be able to laugh together and lighten up and recognize, you know what? We got this. We, we're going to be all right. Yes, that is true. And I think also
3: it's so um, it's so great for women to see other women laughing at the same things they are. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's a good reminder that we're not going through them alone. We're not the only ones. Yeah. You know, we all have so much in common. And when you laugh at something because you think, oh, that happens to me all the time. And you hear the person next to you laughing at the same thing. It just... I think it helps your heart to know that we're connected in that way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned you're married. You have been since 2002. Your husband is a comedian and writer. You've got two kids. Tell us a bit about your family, how this all works with you traveling and uh, him writing and so on.
3: Well, um, you know, God just makes it work. Every year is a little bit different, and I'm so grateful for the way it all kind of pieces together, and I get to spend so much time with my kids, so I typically only travel um, maybe four or five days a month total. And a lot of those times, like last weekend I was in Indianapolis and I took the kids with me, so we were all together. So I try to be away from them as little as possible. And especially when I'm doing women's night out events, I – Almost always, and sometimes it doesn't work out, but I almost always bring my daughter. She's 13 years old, and I just think it's so, so great for her to be with me and be with all these great women and um, be encouraged in that way as much as we can. So, so far, so good.
2: Yeah. How does your family feel about being uh, providing the material for so much of your comedy?
3: Well, you know, I try to be really careful about that, and you'll probably notice when you see the show that I don't really make a lot of um, humor of them it typically is me as their mom or me as the wife that I'm laughing about, not anything specific that they're doing. Uh, I feel like it's hard enough, you know, to have a mom who's a comic. And especially when you have a teenage daughter, you know, I don't want, I don't want to make her the object of it. I don't, I feel like, uh, she might move away and not come
2: home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like the right approach to trying to keep the family together right. and keep your career yeah. um, going. Once again, we're talking about girls night out with the uh, comedian, Amy Barnes. We're going to be at Tigered Christian church on Friday, May the 3rd, seven o'clock PM. We're encouraging you to bring your girlfriends. Don't come by yourself, although you're welcome to do that. It's going to be a night of laughter and fellowship, coffee, tea, dessert. The cost is $20. There's a group discount for five or more. You might consider uh, making this an event for your women's ministry group, maybe your Bible study. And uh, we're just going to come together, whether you are in the faith or you're just thinking about the faith, or you know somebody who might feel comfortable coming to this kind of an event that isn't quite ready to come to Sunday morning service. This is a great opportunity for us to come together as women, to laugh together, encourage one another, and just uh, be reminded of how much we share in common. And um, I I think just be encouraged. The event is presented by Best Day Ever. It's a brand new podcast for women from the Ladies of uh, the Fish and KPDQ. You can find it streaming at thefishportland.com or kpdq.com. Well, Amy, we are so excited to have you um, come. And let me just give you an opportunity to close by extending an invitation to the women who are listening right now. All right. Well, I am
3: really excited to be there for my first time, my first Ladies Night Out event at Tigard church. I'm excited for y'all to come. I hope you will invite somebody. Um, Don't come alone. Bring a friend. Bring four friends and get a group discount. I promise you we will have so much fun and you will leave with something to talk about for the weeks to come. So I hope to see you there on May 3rd.
2: Well, Amy, again, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today and for coming to Portland on May the 3rd. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, Georgene. Thank you so much. I've already started kind of rehearsing. You know, when you laugh so hard, sometimes your face hurts. So I'm Even now, I'm starting to rehearse how to laugh for a, a period of time without the uh, muscles in the face seizing up. So you might want to do that, uh, too. Again, for more details, you can go to kpdq.com and uh, find out uh, how to register. And f- again, for groups of five or more, there's a $5 per ticket discount. So take that into account. Coming up Friday, May the 3rd, 7 o'clock p.m., we're going to gather at Tigerd Christian Church. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. I wanted to give you a couple of updates with regard to what's happening here uh, close to home. Uh, Portland is considering helping tenants with uh, criminal records, criminal histories, in finding housing in the state. So the Portland City Council is working on this. This week, the council is debating an ordinance that would change how landlords screen their tenants. And one major component of the proposal is it makes it harder for landlords to deny a person's rental application based on older criminal convictions. Now, it limits the freedom of uh, property owners to determine whether or not they want to Um, make their property available to someone they might deem um, less desirable. But the city says, no, we're going to limit that capacity. It's the latest effort to reduce the stigma for people who've been incarcerated, and it's uh, controversial for a number of reasons. Well, Oregon gives landlords pretty broad latitude to refuse a rent, to refuse to rent, rather, to a person based on their criminal history. But an ordinance that's before the city council this week would change that. In the city of Portland, the proposal is from Commissioner Chloe Udaly, who was elected on a platform of advocating for tenants' rights. So she certainly is living up to the promise she made. It would create new limits on how landlords can use a wide range of criterion that they've historically relied on to estimate the risks associated with a prospective tenant, like a person's income, credit history, criminal background. These are things that need to be taken into account landlords would argue, in order to make a good decision about who is going to reside in that property, on that property. Well, advocates argue that these screening criteria, while they seem neutral, create barriers to housing, in particular for low-income tenants and people of color who are more likely to have been involved with the criminal justice system. They use these mechanisms. She, uh, I should say, Jamie um Policy advisor points out they use these mechanisms in order to filter people out and the people they end up filtering out are mostly people of color. Now, I don't know statistically if that's accurate or not, but that's her quote. Well, in Oregon, for example, African-Americans are five times more likely than white people to have spent time in prison or in jail, according to the sentencing project. State law prevents uh, Portland from dictating specific screening criteria to landlords. So. Um, Dumal found uh, a workaround. What our policy does, uh, Dumal says, is it sets up a two-track system. The ordinance creates threshold criteria for how far back landlords consider are, are able to consider a person's criminal record. Seven years from sentencing for felonies, three years for sentencing for misdemeanors. Landlords could adopt more restrictive policies uh, that look further back. But if they do, the ordinance requires them to take a much deeper look at each individual applicant's criminal history and consider mitigating factors. Now, that seems fair. It seems to me you might have wanted to stop there, look at the criminal history and consider mitigating factors. That seems Uh, fair. But Dumal says there's research to support the idea that as time goes by, the risk that a person with a criminal history uh, will reoffend drops. Uh, We feel very comfortable that we're not asking landlords to house anyone who is dangerous or will uh, present a, a risk to their properties. Well, that has been left to the judgment of landlords. Now the city wants to make that decision essentially for them, or at least restrict how that decision is made. Also, lawmakers uh, in Salem have voted to cut the Oregon kicker tax rebate by $108 million. Now, they can't withhold it uh, from taxpayers because that would require a vote of the people, but limiting the amount apparently is something they can do. I'm talking about House Bill 2975 was passed by the Senate on Monday. It already passed the House. It's headed to Governor Kate Brown's desk. She has to decide whether to sign it into law. Well, Oregon's projected kicker tax rebate will decrease by $108 million under this bill passed by Democrats in the state Senate. The Statesman Journal reports that for individual taxpayers, that would translate to a 14.5% reduction to their kicker rebate when they file their taxes in 2020. Now, state economists um, most recently, uh, uh, that's according to the most recent revenue forecast. Well, House Bill 2975 was passed by the Senate on Monday. It already passed the House, as I mentioned. It's on the governor's desk. She has to decide whether to move forward. Her deputy of uh, communications um, director, Kate. Um, Condean uh, declined to say whether the governor plans to sign the measure or not. Well, in February, economists predicted the kicker would uh, reach seven hundred and forty eight point five million dollars. It represents the amount of taxes collected above and beyond what state officials projected they would take in before the start of the two year state budget cycle. If the governor signs this legislation, it will be one hundred and eight million dollars less than that original Amount, And Friday was a key day in the Oregon legislature, with any bill not scheduled to have a work session now considered to be dead for the session, as the Oregonian first reported. Well, among them were a mix of... Um, Gun control bills brought forward by student activists and the faith group Lift Every Voice. Others gained high profile um, uh, notice through media coverage that advanced into social media interaction with readers and viewers. Governor Brown, Senate President uh, Peter Courtney and House Speaker Tina Kotek can still revive these bills, but money measures are um, exempt from the Friday deadline as well. And they still could uh, suddenly reappear in the give-and-take moves of the second half of the 2019 session. And, yes, we're in the second half of this legislative session with the Democrats holding a supermajority lock in the House and in the Senate. So Republicans may raise the alarm, but not necessarily raise enough votes to make a difference. Plus, there is the classic ploy as the session nears its end of the gut and stuff, as they call it, where a bill unrelated to a measure under consideration is added to it regardless hoping that it will make its way through sort of under a cloud. Well, Senate Bill 501 uh, laid down the strictest gun control move that Oregon has seen. It limited magazines to five rounds, ammo purchases to 30 rounds a month, and tightened background checks. It also required safer gun storage. It was brought forward by the group Students for Change, who held rallies statewide and in Salem following a nationwide gun safety walkout after the Parkland, Florida, mass shooting. There was also Senate Bill 801. That bill engaged the public in a big way a week ago. It would have allowed schools to conduct gun safety classes for first graders. No real guns allowed. House Bill 2251 introduced at the behest of the governor. Limited assault rifles purchased to to those or by those age 21 and over. Restricted gun access to minors and stiffened access to guns for people convicted of domestic violence. And finally, Senate Bill 87 Um, ammunition purchases at gun shows would be limited to uh, those 21 and over. Also not making the cut were bills to create a voluntary do not sell secure database to alert sellers to purchasers with mental health alerts one to allow reciprocal agreements with other states concealed weapon permits and one that allowed gun safety classes on campus but there are several gun measures that are still alive and kicking in the Oregon legislature among them House bill 2505 a bill that will require firearms to have trigger or cable locks and be stored in a secure container that's still in play House bill 2013 that adds more spec- uh, specific to a 2015 law that restricted access to firearms to those convicted of domestic violence. Uh, Senate Bill 979, uh, the Oregon State Police would be required to conduct a study on the reporting of unlawful firearms transfers and report back to the legislature in 2020. And there are other high-profile bills that appear dead, but again, could be revived. House Bill 2015, the bill allows non-residents to get driver's licenses. Senate Bill 7 lowers the blood alcohol uh, reading from 0.8 to 0.5 to constitute drunk driving. House Bill 2758, violators who pretended an animal was an assistant animal would be fined $1,000. Love that one, but it appears to be dead. Senate Bill 822 called for mandatory free um, condom um, availability in public schools. It appears to be dead, but was very high profile. And finally, House Bill 2683. This would have prevented landlords from charging an additional fee or rent for tenants with pets, which makes no sense at all if you know anything about pets in an apartment. But um, again, this appears to be all but dead in the Oregon legislature. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to talk with Matthew Barrett. His uh, book is None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. I hope you will join us for that. I want to thank James Blind for producing, Clark Hilton for engineering, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Hey, be sure to check out our uh, Girls' Night Out and John O'Leary, who's going to be speaking at the Good Friday Breakfast. Go to kpdq.com for more details.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ